Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture, all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Family Renewal Podcast. I'm Israel Wayne. Hi, and I'm Brooke Wayne. Wanted to talk with you about the topic of history today. This is a topic we've had requested from some of our podcast listeners. They've wanted our input on the topic of how to teach history and how to understand history. We like to read biographies. We read them aloud as a family. But better than biographies are autobiographies. When you can find the writings of a person in their own words, telling their story, giving their perspective, I think you get a lot of accuracy. Now, certainly some people can be narcissistic yes, and they can you know, omit negative facts about their life. So sometimes you need the biographies to balance them out. But there's, there's no other perspective than someone who was there. Like I just share something that comes to my mind real quick. Um, I read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, and um, I don't think that would be appropriate for really young children, but... I was amazed at some of the things that he said because you find out what he actually believed. Right. You know, I was like, okay, so now I know what Ben Franklin actually believed because he says what he actually believes, his views on the Bible and certain things. And one of the stories that comes to my mind was when he talked about going to hear the famous British preacher, George Whitfield, when he had come and was preaching here in America during the, the uh, first Great Awakening. And Franklin, who was not a Christian in, in the sense that we would think of him. He was a deist, but uh, not a biblically orthodox Christian. He uh, liked to hear Whitfield preach, and so he went to hear him, but he said he determined one day he had some money in his pocket, and he determined that uh, that George Whitfield was not going to get a penny of it. Because he he feel like you know the idea is that we're going to go and hype up you know get everybody stirred up in some emotionalism and then hit them with a plea for money and you know away goes all your your money just basically you know that's funny to think about in that era it just doesn't seem to fit <laughs> our modern era and so as I recall the story Whitfield was preaching very passionately and and just gave this compelling sermon and then at the end talked about an orphanage and a need that was uh, made for these children and how he wanted to take a special offering to help the children in this orphanage <laughs> franklin said when the plate w- plate was passed he couldn't help but he emptied all of his pockets and put all of his money into the plate he was so compelled by the preaching of george whitfield and and his uh, appeal for this great need and so, you know, that's just a great little anecdote of something that you just wouldn't get anywhere else because who else would know that? You right. know, who else would have access to that information <laughs> but Franklin himself? And so uh, we love using, as I said, first source documents of people who were there, who were eyewitnesses, who saw things happen. Uh, that's super important. And so we love reading those things aloud as a family. Our podcast is going a little long here, but uh, why don't you touch on, because this is something else people ask me about a lot about group teaching. How do you approach history and teaching history? Do you do it individually with each child having their own history book and so forth? Or do you, can you group teach history? Yes. And, you know, for more information on this, I'd probably um, have you look up another podcast we've done called How to Teach Multiple Children. Um, might be multiple grades. Uh, but yes, I think history and then science 
are so well suited for teaching a group of your own children. Um, we have enough children that we kind of just do this in house, but it could be done with other homeschool families as well. For our children, it makes so much more sense for me to teach them uh, as many as I can group together. Uh, together on that same history because we have such a rich heritage then of talking about it, talking about what happened in history and then being able to say, okay, do you remember this? And we're all experiencing that together. And I feel that that creates a lot of camaraderie. So for say elementary grades, this works really great to group them all together. I'll stretch it even into the middle school years. High school gets a little more difficult And I'm so thankful now I have two high schoolers at the same time, and I'm able to have the two of them work together, even bringing up one of my middle schoolers this year to work together. And it's been fun because they're having conversations with each other, they're working with each other, and then as I do oral kind of narration types of things with them and pull out, what did you think about this? What did you think about it? The conversation gets richer having more than one student. They also enjoy just the ability to not have it all be put in a book, you know, not just books and answers, but having that conversation time. So that's what we've done. And I've had a lot of benefit with it, but to make it more age appropriate, sometimes if there's an older child within that group, I feel like this is a little bit below their level. I'll just apply some extra assignments to them, whether that's watching a documentary on it, that's a little above the other kids ages, age level and interest level, or having them write an extra portion on something, you know, on a particular subject, or even send them off and say, okay, you're going to go look in the encyclopedia and here's an extra book to read. And I want you to give me a more detailed report on whatever the issue is. Yeah. You mentioned this with your mother earlier, but I wanted to mention it in my own experience that uh, I really benefited as a homeschooled student from hands-on history. And that means going and seeing things. And I grew up in Western Maryland, in the panhandle of Western Maryland, a lot of history around that area uh, between Virginia and Pennsylvania and Maryland. And one of my favorite places to go as a child was Antietam Battlefield, which a lot of people have never even heard of. But it was the day in the American Civil War where there was the most casualties. And I believe about 26,000 men died over the course of a weekend, I think even in a day. And so... You know, it was a very small area. Um, it was my favorite battlefield to visit, even above Gettysburg and some of the others, because it all happened in a very small location. And so you could literally just stand there and see in your mind's eye what happened. And so later on, when I was reading about history and I would read something about Antietam Battlefield, I could close my eyes. I can still see the fields. They talked about one field where, you know, this is kind of morbid, but where you could walk across the entire field and never step on the ground because there were so many bodies there. Another cornfield that's still there today, you go and see the cornfield, and it said not one stalk was left standing, that every stalk had been cut as low to the ground as it could be cut with a blade because of the bullets. Wow. And so, you know, trenches filled with bodies, again, a little morbid, but it's, it's a sobering part of our history. And just... Those kinds of experiences, when you go on field trips with your children, wow, what an opportunity to get to see history. We just got the chance this spring to go through Boston and uh, take our children on the Freedom Trail. And you took them, I was speaking at a conference there, but while I was speaking, you took them up to Plymouth Rock and right. Plymouth Foundation. And 
man, they're, they're not going to read history differently, or yeah. they will read history they differently, read, yeah. but never read the same uh, because <laughs> of the fact that they've actually seen these places and experienced this. So Yeah, they've enjoyed that immensely, and they'll bring it up to this day as far as, oh, remember this or that, and it was fun because we were talking about when did the pilgrims land at Plymouth Rock? And everybody knew because they have that ingrained in their memory. It was a cold, drizzly day, and we were standing there huddled under the little canopy, and we saw the rock, and we took pictures of it. And, you know, one youngster tried to touch it despite his mother's pleas not to. You know, There's a lot of memories that go with this. And so I'd encourage you, look for ways that you can stop by uh, historical places as you travel. And especially then, look in your own area. It was kind of fun for me. I was talking with my husband's grandfather, who was uh, mentioning. I was I was really into ruins at the time, and was reading a book about um, ancient man and ruins. I can't remember the ancient man and civilizations. I can't remember the exact name. Oh, of the published book. by um, Masterbooks. It was published by Masterbooks. Don Landis. Yeah, the Secrets of Ancient Man. I think it is, and then the Secrets of Ancient Civilization. Maybe yes. I've got the title wrong, but look up that is. Don Landis. L-A-N-D-I-S. Masterbooks.com. It was a fascinating book. Anyways, I was talking with his grandfather about it, and he mentioned how in our area he had been fishing about 40 years ago <laughs> with some buddies, and they're out in a little boat on a little river. You know, this is just like 10 miles from us, and had found an old, um, I think it's a Civil War fort. Still, some still parts still standing, and I was like, "Wow!" So you know, what I'm going to do next time I'm in that area is I'm going to go see if there's any remains left and try to find it. But there's things in your area. It's not just traveling. You know, not every family has that opportunity at this season in their lives. So if you can find ways to look for the history that's hidden right in your area, uh, you'll find rich heritage that uh, gives you that opportunity to taste and feel and visit history. As we close here, I just want to read a passage of scripture that speaks to uh, history and the importance of history. But before I do that, just did you have anything that you wanted to add uh, on this topic? Okay. Well, let me read to you from Psalm 78, uh, verses 4 through 8. And I think this is a great passage that talks about parents passing on not just the faith, but passing on our history and our heritage from generation to generation. It says this, We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. God tells His people through the Scripture over and over, do not forget, do not forget, build altars of remembrance. And when your children ask you, why is this altar here? Tell them, what God has done. And that is the purpose of history. It is to know God better, to know what he's done in the past, to teach our children the failures of humans and the glory of God and uh, and the, the way that God has worked, even through flawed individuals, to accomplish his purposes, teach them the trajectory of history, where all this is going, where it's leading, and the culmination of the restoration of all things. Uh, teach your children uh, to put their faith and trust and confidence in the God of history. 
I talk about this a lot more in more detail in my book, Education, Does God Have an Opinion? I encourage you to check that out at our website, familyrenewal.org. And we want you to sign up on our email list so we can keep in touch with you and let you know when we're coming to your area to do an event. It's familyrenewal.org forward slash subscribe forward slash subscribe. And we want to make sure that you also subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so, so that you'll get updates whenever we do a new episode. You'll be alerted and you can listen in. We thank you so much. We appreciate your support of our ministry. We hope you'll join us on Facebook. We have a couple pages. Um, We have facebook.com forward slash family renewal and also forward slash Israel Wayne author. I am on Twitter at Israel Wayne. And uh, we hope that you will continue to uh, read and listen to the materials that we have because we think they'll be of benefit to you. If you haven't done so, one more thing comes to my mind is uh, go to our website, to our blog page, which is familyrenewal.org forward slash blog. I don't think I've mentioned that before on the podcast, but we do have a blog and we write articles on there and they're all free. So please uh, check that out. Till next time, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. For more information on Family Renewal, the writing and speaking ministry of Brooke and Israel Wayne, please visit familyrenewal.org.